We got a message from Ronnie Moas this morning, and he's steaming mad. Not at you or me or Travis, but at PayPal. So we thought we'd get him on to share what's going on, as well as catch up on his take on the current state of crypto. Looks like Ronnie is quickly becoming a bad crypto correspondent, but we may just give him the title, his supreme royal prognosticator of all things financial. We also do a quick catch up with Brian Tan of Paycent. You might remember them from an ICO Spotlight show back in October of last year. So, you ready to do this? We hope so, because it's the Lookout Ronnie's Mad, episode number 80 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, Who's bad? And welcome, friends, to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious, the crypto serious, and in the case of Ronnie Moass, I'm a little crypto furious. <laughs> yes, Ronnie Moass is crypto furious at PayPal and fiat currency. And he wanted to talk about this, and, and and it does, you know, some of you will, you know, know about some PayPal issues already. This is what he's talking about today is not something new, but uh, it does point to the need for uh, decentralization. So it's going to be interesting to talk to him about that. Over 2.5 million downloads of this show, and that's because once you go bad, you never go back. You stay bad. You're never sad. You're never sad if you go bad. You're always glad. You're glad. And you're not a hanging Chad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All of those things. And then not only do we talk to Ronnie Moas, but we also have a, it's sort of a, a recap of a, a company we had on an ICO spotlight back in October, uh, Paycent. And uh, so this is pretty interesting how, how they're launching a dual wallet. That's going to be crypto plus fiat currency, but uh, multiple different types of uh, cryptos you're going to be able to utilize your your uh, credit card, your debit card with. So we'll revisit with them as well. It's an ICO update, if you will. Will you? A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, it wasn't that long ago, but it was 2017 and it was mid-October and we had an ICO spotlight show that featured a, uh, a new cryptocurrency that was launching out of Asia called Paycent. You might remember that we visited with Brian Tan, the CEO of Paycent, and spoke about their vision for the future of crypto. And we're doing a little catch up here. We're pleased to welcome Brian back to the Bad Crypto Podcast. How you doing, Brian? Fine. Thanks, Joel. Hello, Travis. Hello, Brian. How are you doing awesome. So so how about a, just a quick catch-up uh, to give us a, the short version of where Paycent has come in the three months since we've spoken? Beautiful. So um, a quick update is basically that Paycent has actually did a game-changer in the sense that we actually changed our ICO into eight phases. What we wanted to show was basically to the community that we would actually accomplish our milestones before moving out and taking on uh, more crypto investors. So in our phase one, uh, what we did was we actually put milestones of uh, a dual currency, a dual, a dual wallet with a debit card and, of course, some banking licenses. Uh, so that's going to come up in 
sometime in the first week of March. So you're now, uh, I go to paycent.com and you're pre-registering people for the debit card. Is that correct? Absolutely, Travis. We are actually taking on pre-registrations right now. Uh, why is that so? Because basically, we still do need to do a bit of KYC on the cards that come on board or the people that come on board. For okay, cards. but I'm Joel. Yeah, and I'm Travis. And I, 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 we confuse uh, everyone. I was going to let that go, uh, Joel. I was going to let that go and then make it no, I later. No, I, I won't. I, I can't. I, I just, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll lose my identity People if I don't know who I am. People confuse us already. They go, wow, I didn't know your face went with that face and that voice. Weird. <laughs> they might think that Brian is you. Maybe so. This is uh, weird. Brian. Th- yeah, so PaySent is our new project we launched and the debit card. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, so let me ask you about this. So can anyone register for this is for this debit card? Because I know that people all around the world, they want to know. Some of them maybe didn't get to be part of the ICO. Maybe they haven't listened to this episode. But is is the uh, the debit card and the dual wallet system, how does that work and who is eligible for that? Right. So we'll take one step. It's basically who's eligible. It's basically more or less worldwide. There are a few sanctioned countries, but I don't think they matter. It's North Korea, Sudan, Afghanistan. So a few of those countries, uh, they're not eligible. Uh, As far as the dual wallet uh, works, how it works is basically we tag debit card to the dual wallet. So that basically at any one time, you can actually use your crypto or your fiat money to pay off the debit card. Mm-hmm. Now, which currencies are going to be able to be utilized within the crypto wallet? Right. So for the for the starters, of course, it's our own Pacentos uh, token okay. will be there. Uh, then, of course, the two big boys, uh, we have the Bitcoin and the Ethereum that will be listed on the initial start. We plan to add more cryptocurrencies uh, to the fold, but uh, that's down the road. Right. That's something that really makes crypto handy, having access to the debit card. I know, Joel, uh, have you had that come in pretty handy for you with the one that you use? Well, you know, I I like it and I've used it a couple of times, but the bottom line is, is I don't want to spend my Bitcoin. You know, we talked about this before. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to buy a pizza and then, you know, two years from now go, man, I, you know, I could have made a car payment instead. So what we plan to do, as you, as you rightly mentioned, is basically because uh, you don't want to spend your Bitcoin, we're going to plan to list the other altcoins. And we feel that basically there'll be a market for people that want to spend the other altcoins. Yeah, I, I would be more comfortable spending some of my other altcoins. And then, of course, you have your own token, right, with the, the PYN token. Correct. Which, the uh, percent token, yeah, which we so, hope people won't spend. <laughs> so that'll work uh you know basically the same way within the wallet is that correct yeah absolutely right excellent and and you mentioned that you're gonna you've split up um the ico into milestones and so when does the next um ico open up the next ico is planned for may uh, what we do is basically once we we will only go for the next phase or, or on the ICO when we accomplish our milestone state uh, in the white paper, which is technically the, uh, the two main milestones are the banking licenses and of course the dual wallet with the debit card. So we should be good to go by the first week or middle of March for those two. So we'll be ready for ICO in May. Hopefully we get some people join in. 
Excellent. Well, we will see um, how people respond to the debit card and the wallet app as they come out. You guys can go to paycent.com, P-A-Y-C-E-N-T, just like it sounds, and check it out. And uh, great catching up with you, Brian. Thanks for visiting with us. Thanks, thanks. And the Midforce be with you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Great stuff. Good luck. Bye. Thanks. And we're pleased to welcome back a friend of the show, and uh, it's been 10 whole episodes since he was with us, and um, his name is Ronnie Moas. You guys know him, Standpoint Research, one of the top analysts in the world when it comes to calling it for the stock markets and the crypto markets, and uh, Ronnie was on the CoinsBank blockchain cruise with Mr. Travis Wright, and Travis has told us a little bit about it, and Ronnie's also got... Uh, his buttons have been pushed, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's happened to him. Anyway, welcome back to Bad Crypto, Ronnie. How you doing? Thank you for having me. Always. Let's you know. Let's just go ahead and get the the angst out of the way because you messaged me about something that happened to you that's got you pretty upset, and um, it had something to do with PayPal. Oh, uh, yes. This is probably one of the most upsetting things that has ever happened to me in my life. Um, but um, what PayPal did to me, I, I just can't believe they get they could get away with this. Uh, uh, they do, they I, do I really, it all the time. I, 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 no, this, I, I believe that my situation was 10 times worse than anything that I've read about online in doing my research the last 24 hours. I basically um, was in the middle of my vacation and... Uh, Every day I would have like $20,000 come into my account, you know, I would have like $20,000, $30,000 come into my account every day and I would transfer it to my bank account. A few days went by and I, I, had, I didn't have time to do the transfers, right? Uh, so $100,000 accumulated in my account in like three days and I tried to transfer the money and it was frozen. And I couldn't believe it. And then I called them um, from Asia and uh, they told me that they are freezing my money as a reserve against possible refund requests. And I hit the roof because they've been with me for 18 months and I had signed up more than a thousand people to my service and got one refund request. So how are they gonna lock up $100,000 of my money, right? right? So I was on the phone with someone there for two hours and he says, I'm gonna try to get this down to $50,000 for you. This was three weeks ago. It's now $225,000. And I still haven't gotten a response from them. $225,000. And they are collecting interest on this money. If you want to hold a little bit of money in a reserve account, just in case they get refund requests, which they are on the hook for, that's okay. But why are you collecting interest on my money? Can you imagine if they would have done this to me six months ago? And that money is money that I may have put into Bitcoin. Do you know how steaming mad I would be right now? That basically would have been a $1 million hit that I was taking. That's true. There's no way on earth this can be legal. They probably have some fine print in their contracts that say they can do it like this to people. But they this this is a, a different circumstance. They knew who I was. They vetted me. They, they stuck a microscope up my ass. Trust me. They looked into my background, every single piece of documentation that they needed from me, I gave them. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, 17 months into an 18-month relationship, they freeze $200,000 of my money. 
And I said, this stinks like a fish. And sure enough, in two minutes online, I did a Google search. What does uh, PayPal do with the money that they please? And sure enough, they're collecting interest on it. Not cool. That's not cool. That that could feed 4,500 children for a whole year. Yeah, well, this is not a joking matter. Every time I go to my PayPal account, I feel like I'm getting punched in the stomach. I just, it, it, I, because they don't even give you time to look for another alternative service provider, right? It's, it's taking me a few weeks because I have to update my website. I have to make sure that it's going to be integrated properly and that I'm not going to lose any payments while I'm in transition. And during that time, if I, I had a half a million dollars come into my account and they took half of that money and froze it. And uh, until this happens to you, you have no idea what it feels like. It feels like getting raped and robbed. And it, it just feels, it, it's just the most horrible feeling you could ever imagine. Yeah, that happened to my uh, business back in 2004, I believe. It was horrible. Yeah, I can, you know, it's definitely frustrating when PayPal just has the power uh, to do that. But you know what? Banks have the power to freeze your bank accounts as well. And, uh, you know, the financial system and the old guard, they have a way of sticking it to whoever they decide to stick it to, really. Uh, kind of shows you why crypto is, uh, is a good thing moving forward, right, Ronnie? Exactly, because everybody, you know, a lot of people are just going to dismiss this segment and not take it seriously, but they need to think about how they would feel if they were in my shoes right now. Not only did PayPal take three and a half percent of the million dollars that came into my account in the last 90 days alone, but they also froze hundreds of thousands of dollars of my money. They are collecting interest on that, not me. And I've also been prevented from investing that money for myself. So there's an opportunity cost on top of these ridiculous fees that they're charging. They have a basic, you know, more or less a monopoly here, and they're getting away with murder. And people should be furious about this, in my opinion. It, it's not it the is, first uh, time that it's happened. I've heard about this happening to others before, but um, it's been a while, and it's the first time I know that it's happened to you. So I know it's really frustrating. Maybe you just go show up on their door, Ronnie, and, and uh, say, hey, give me my money. I went on a tirade already this morning on Twitter. I'm already speaking to a lawyer, and uh, I am sending out a detailed uh, transcript uh, to more than a thousand people in the media about my experience. You want to hold some money on reserve in a fund in case they get hit with refund requests, that's fine. But they know I've only had one re refund request in the last year from 1,500 subscribers. So how are they coming off locking up $225,000 of my money? That would be like three or 400 refund requests when I only got one in 18 months. Uh, so I realized right away that this is a scam and they are trying to get you to believe that they're just protecting themselves when in fact this is a scam to collect interest on your money. Well, on a, on a lighter note, um not to you know diminish what's happening at all because I do hope you get it resolved soon. Uh, you were on the blockchain cruise with uh, Mr. Travis Wright, and I understand you boys had a good time. Yes, and um, Travis did not pay me to say this, uh, but I heard dozens of speakers on the cruise, and he was in a different league. Um, I think a lot of the speakers felt uncomfortable following him on stage. That's how good he was. And um, you know, there's a reason why he's in such demand. Uh, to speak at these types of conferences because he does uh, steal the show to a certain extent. 
Ah, oh, thank you, good sir. Appreciate that. That's really, too nice. Of you. I, I like I like to give credit when credit is due, and uh, uh, it was not possible to ignore the amount of time and effort that it takes you uh, to pull off that presentation that you did. Travis is a fantastic speaker, and uh, I can vouch for following him because sometimes we were in Davos and he was walking and I was behind him and he was a tough act to follow. So, <laughs> But it was nice. I get to be the, uh, the the lead blocker to walk through the people, so it's an easier route for you, easier road for you. <laughs> and he also has an incredible stage presence and personality that doesn't come across, you know, on a podcast. Now, everywhere that I'm asked to speak, I, I, I almost it's almost like a package deal. I want them to bring Travis along uh, as well. And I've already contacted Emerge Americas, which is a massive conference at the Miami Beach Convention Center in April. And I'm trying to get both of you a spot there as well. I will oh, be headlining on that one. Um, and uh, it's walking distance from where I live. Party at Ronnie's house. This will be fun. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's um, let's take a look at the the market here, Ronnie, and just kind of get the lay of the land of where you think things are. Because ever since the big rise towards the end of 2017, and then you know I don't want to call it a crash, but the significant pullback that happened in January of of uh, 2018, things are kind of sideways right now. What's your beat on all this? I think, well, two things. First of all, I don't know whether Travis heard and or spoke to the same people I did on the cruise. Uh, we were there four days, and I'm sure he spoke with dozens of people just as I did. And the consensus was that most of the names outside the top 10 or top 20 are scams. And people are going to get burned if they try to pick winners from all of those weeds down there. The second part of my answer to you is that I noticed that Bitcoin has been trading in a range between ten and $12,000 the last few weeks, right? And what that means to me is that there is a really big buyer in the 9000 to 10000 range, which is supporting Bitcoin on the downside. But there's also some big sellers in that 11800 to 12500 range which, which is preventing us on the upside from breaking out. And I'm curious to see wh whether that resistance or support level that we're seeing in this trading band, is which is going to break first. And I'm not a technician, but this is hard not to notice. Uh, the volatility has just really come down a lot since uh, December. And uh, I'm just curious to see which way this breaks. All right. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. It seems that... You know, the prices, they go up one day, they go down about the same amount the next day. So this has been very, it seems it's been very balanced. There's There's been a few big drops, but I mean, it looks like we're, we're a lot of the, a lot of those altcoins seem to be sitting in a waiting pattern, just sort of some of them will, will pop up and then like the next day they'll, they'll pop back down to where they were. I'm not, there's not seeing any real movement. I noticed that the only crypto that really had a breakout month in January was NEO. And everyone else just sort of stayed pat. So do you expect, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts for, for moving forward in February? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but what are the same, what are some of the things that you that you think might be happening? Yeah, where is NEO now, number nine? Not sure exactly where they are, but I know they're sitting at around $10 billion in market cap. Yeah, I think, that, I think they may have cracked into the top 10 uh, with that last move. I think I noticed that as well. Uh, I, I just, you know, I'm, my target for Bitcoin is $28,000 by the end of the year. And what I am going to need in order for that to happen is news from Wall Street. 
we need someone to come out with a fund where the average Joe or the average Travis can just hit a button on Fidelity or E-Trade or Scott Trade and transfer five or 10% of their money into crypto without having to worry about Coinbase and Nano Ledger and, and Trezor devices and accounts being hacked and exchanges being hacked and securing their money. Uh, it's very, very complicated and confusing to the average person. And when an ETF comes out on Wall Street that allows the average person just to just hit one button, like they're buying an S&P index share, that is when the floodgates can open here. Um, it seems now that there's just so many headlines coming out on a daily basis from dozens of countries around the world that people are just, I think there's a little bit of fatigue. You know, there was a lot of excitement um, the last few months of uh, 2017. And now I, I think, you know, people are just taking a breather and they're not going to react to a headline on Coindesk unless it's a really big one. And I think that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a big headline in the next few weeks or the next few months. And that is what is going to cause uh, Bitcoin and some of the other names to take a big move from where we are right now in one direction or the other. It, it feels like rather than the floodgates opening, it's kind of been like the FUD gates, you know, have have been opening up. There's so much fear and uncertainty and doubt. But I want to... I want to clarify something you said because I want to make sure we're talking using the same definitions. You said anything outside of the top 10 coins you would classify as scams. Does that mean you see them as deliberate money grabs or, or do you think that some of them just aren't going to work in the long term? No, I said most people on the cruise, myself included, feels that Outside the top, what I said word for word earlier was outside the top 10 or 20 names, depending on who you ask. Some people will not look out at, at, at anything outside the top 20. Others will not look at anything outside the top 10. So, uh, you know, the problem in this industry is that you only need $100,000 to pull off a scam operation. You need $25,000 for the website, $25,000 for a white paper. You pay a professor $25,000 under the table to sign off on the white paper. And you need someone that can lie to the public and speak on behalf of the company and, and do their pitch. And then you turn the switch on and you put millions of dollars into your pocket the next day. It happens all the time in the stock market, especially in the biotech space where every single company tells you that they have a cure for cancer, they just need a few hundred million dollars from you. And, and like John McAfee said a few weeks ago, the most impressive white papers that he has seen are usually the biggest scam operations. And it's very hard when you're looking at a situation where nine times out of 10, you're going to get burned. I don't know anybody that can pick that one flower out of the weeds here, uh, unless you spend several months on, on each name that you're going into. It's a problem. Uh, uh, I think um, Travis may have seen Jack Tater speak on the cruise. He's a fantastic speaker. Uh -huh. You saw him, right, Travis? I, I did see him. And yes, and actually right now I'm, I'm listening to his book, Crypto Assets, which so That's far it. is phenomenal. Yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic guy. And by the way, both of us went to the State University of New York at Stony Brook. So I do have something in common with Jack. 
And, and what he was saying, and it's very important for people to understand this, a lot of these names are going up on pure speculation, the same way Amazon did 15 years ago. And what's going to happen is that sooner or later, it's, it could take a few months or a year or 18 months or two years, people are going to say, okay, this ran up on speculation. Now, has the utility been proven? And if they prove that there is a utility value to justify the speculative stock price, the coin price, then it'll stay there or maybe, or maybe even go higher, as was the case in Amazon the last few years. But if people say, wait a minute, this thing went up to two or three billion dollars and there's no utility, it's going to crash. And I think a lot of these names will not be able to justify their current valuations in the next few years. And Jack said, and other people said at the conference, and I'm only quoting the highly regarded speakers from the group. What he said is that um, you could even, even if you're a legitimate name in the top 50 right now, you probably won't be there a year or two from now because someone's going to come along and improve on what you brought to the table by tweaking a few things, just like people are trying to do with Bitcoin right now, come up with something a little bit faster and a little bit cheaper. So if you have something in the top 20 or the top 40 right now, there are people that are you know, looking into those names very closely and saying, okay, this looks like a really good business model. What if we improve on these little deficiencies that we see here? Then that renders the first name obsolete. That's technology. Uh, yeah, and then, well, one of the things that's is interesting, if you look at last year's top 10, there are a few of them that aren't in the top 10 now. Um, there, there are different coins that are evolving over time. I look at it like, all right, there's 50 to 100 industries that are going to totally be disrupted by blockchain. I look to try to find the leaders in those particular spaces. But then if I actually do analysis on what I particularly invest in, I invest in the blockchains, the platforms themselves, not so much what's being built on other people's platforms. Because if you own the highway, then you have a greater chance of owning uh, you know, more, something that has more value. That's been my sort of look into it. And and I, I didn't even plan it that way. I was just sort of looking at all the coins that I have invested in personally. And it seems that the blockchain ones are the ones that uh, have more value to me, at least now. And as more more companies are being built on, I mean, you know, when you have, I don't know how many hundreds of companies are being built on Ethereum right now, obviously Ethereum is a very valuable thing. And as more companies get built on tools like EOS and get built on things like Dragon Chain and get built on our chain and some of these other upcoming blockchains, those will gain intrinsic value. That's that's my uh, presumption at this point anyway. What, what do you think about that? Well, my, my, my concern is that I have 20 years experience in the stock market and people don't realize how many lessons I learned in the stock market that are translating over uh, into the crypto uh, game. So I have an advantage over people that are coming into crypto right now that were never in the stock market. And I'm seeing a lot of people who are extremely greedy. Um, where I came from, you promised people 15% a year, they were very happy. Now I tell people you can expect 100 or 200% a year, and they're disappointed. They want me to give them you know, these penny names that'll jump by 100% in a week. Um, I saw your presentation, and it was a very... I, I like that point that you made where you're looking for the leader in logistics and the leader in the casinos and the leader in the banks 
and a leader in the apparel companies, and then you may go to the second and third strongest names in each of those industries, and then you'll have a nice diversified portfolio of a few dozen names, and that is a very good strategy. Uh, the, the question is, how do you identify those names today, and how do you value them? Uh, you know, a lot of these names are very impressive, but again, coming from the stock market, if you have a $10 billion valuation, you're generating a half a billion dollars in profit for me every year. These companies aren't generating a diamond profit. So the million dollar question is, is how are these companies being valued? And there are very few people that have been able to give you an answer for that. And that is where the concern is. And that is where my fears come uh, with regarding to a possible bubble in a lot of these names. The only name I can really pin a valuation on uh, is Bitcoin. Interesting. I want to ask you one final question before we before we bump out of here. Uh, so there's been a lot of talk about the SEC and regulations and more of these ICOs, particularly ones that are that are coming out of the United States. You know, they have these regulations uh, on them now that you must be an accredited investor. Uh, and if you are an accredited investor with over fifty five hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, then you can invest. Does it look to you like over time that ICOs will only be available to the super rich again and then the the smaller you know investors are, are going to be sort of left out in the cold down the road? I don't know. I, I would not want to be in the place of regulators right now. Um, even until this day, they're having trouble regulating the names that are in the stock market. So you're basically talking about doubling the number of names that they will be responsible for regulating, right? And I don't know how they're going to do that. And uh, I am concerned because there are a lot of criminals and crooks and scam artists right now. You know, it could be 80 percent, 70 percent, 60 percent, which is a lot higher than we had in the stock market 20 years ago when you had the dot-com bubble. It's concerning. And, and not only is it uh, and in the stock market, it was easy because it was mainly American companies that you were trying to regulate. Here you were trying to regulate names that are based in dozens of countries spread out across several different continents. And I just don't know how you can regulate something like this. I think it's going to be a buyer beware warning and, uh, you know, and you're on your own. And if you try to get greedy, uh, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And that's why I'm telling people to just flight to quality, just focus on the, on the names that are in the top 10, top 20, maybe even the top 40. And don't go into the weeds because you're going to get burned more often than not. And you could get wiped out if you try to play that game. You know, as far as regulation goes, the last important point that I like to make when people ask me this question is I'm not worried about regulations coming from any one country. Uh, in the case of Bitcoin, for example, you only have a few million coins that are available for sale at any given time. If the demand from one particular country is eliminated because of regulation, there's 192 other countries around the world that can pick up that slack. Okay, so the only way regulation could really be an issue here is if you get a joint statement on the same day from Russia, China and South Korea that they're cracking down. That would you know, hurt the market and, and cause a collapse. But if it's a headline from any one country, one day China will crack down, but then Switzerland will come out with an announcement that's the exact opposite of what came from China or vice versa. Does that make sense? 
It does indeed. Well, Ronnie, thanks again for checking in with us. We hope that uh, the PayPal issue resolves itself soon. Well, well, it'll be it'll be resolved. I'm switching to Stripe, and the money's mine, right? Um, but uh, it's very very aggravating. Uh, they're basically yeah. getting away with murder, and no one is holding them accountable. Uh, standpointresearch.com is the site, and check out Ronnie's stuff there. And of course, uh, food foodforthepoor.org forward slash Moas if you wish to give and support. Thanks again, Ronnie. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. And we're glad that Ronnie likes to visit the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. In fact, Travis, he just showed up in the Bad Crypto Mastermind um, this last week. I, I wasn't expecting it. I saw somebody had posted something and he commented, did you, did you approve him to the group? Because I didn't. I approve him. I don't remember approving him. However, how I do it a lot of times is I go through and view and see who didn't leave, who didn't answer the questions on that. And then I just decline all of them if they haven't uh, answered any questions. And then I'll look through the ones who answered questions. And then I'll, I just sort of look for answers. I'm not necessarily looking at people's names. So I could have easily have uh, added him on a bulk approve all. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's with us now in the group and, you know, he's very busy. He's doing a lot of traveling. So, you know, we don't have any expectations of him, you know, needing to reply or post. But I think he is lurking and he is fond of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, uh, partially because you guys have been so generous with food for the poor and have donated so much money to the cause that is near and dear to his heart. And, and uh, we appreciate that. And this is actually Ronnie Moas. This is not a bad Travis Fred Flintstone Ronnie Moas impersonation. <laughs> I think that Ronnie Moas is impersonating Travis Wright right there. I can't tell the difference between the two it's of very you. Meta. It's very meta. You know what else I'm discovering as you are as well, because you spent more time with him face to face on the blockchain cruise. He's got a great sense of humor. It just needs to, you know, he needs to get past the, the analyst stuff and take a breather because, you know, what he does is so intense, right? It takes such uh, focus to, to look at, at all the analysis and determine where the markets are going. But when he loosens up, he's a funny guy. He is a really funny guy, and but it's very dry. And he sets up his joke like he's telling you a serious story just only to, to pop in with like a dad joke. So, but he was not funny today. He was pretty upset at PayPal and I cannot blame him. 200 large, that's quite a bit for PayPal to be sitting on and taking interest on, huh? It is indeed. So folks, be careful with your monies out there. Uh, make wise decisions. We are not financial advisors. So anyway... Always glad to have you guys here. Thanks for listening today. If you want to give us a shout, we're always happy to hear from you. The Bad Crypto Hotline is open 24-7-708-885-9030 is the number. Operator is standing by. Give us a call. And if nothing else, tell us to stay bad. Stay bad. Stay bad. Hey, you already said that three times, damn it. We don't need any more. Who's bad? 
The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.